At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU recruiting fans by Sooners360.com. Each week we catch you up on the latest in OU recruiting news and provide opinions and evaluations on all things OU football recruiting. I'm Chris Mason, lead recruiting analyst for Sooners360.com. I'm joined this week by my co-host Caleb Cummings, Sooners360.com talent evaluator and opinion creator. This week, we're doing a two-parter episode again. This is episode 61. This is part two, the Alamo Bowl preview with uh, our guest host and frequent contributor, Matt Burns. So we're going to jump right into talking about this matchup between the Oklahoma Sooners and the Arizona Wildcats in the San Antonio Alamo Dome. Alamo Dome. Uh, we're recording this uh, Wednesday afternoon, December 27th. The game is uh, on the 28th, the night of the 28th. So let's just hop right into this and begin talking about the game and, and some different areas about the football game. So if I had to ask what is your biggest worry about the game, Matt, what do you think, What where would you start off in talking about your biggest concern about the matchup of these two football teams? I think, you know, a lot of it is the unknown with Jackson Arnold, right? True freshman quarterback making his first start. We've talked a little bit about in the last few weeks, you know, he did get that experience out at BYU starting the second half after Gabriel's injury, but you never really know when the lights come on and you're the guy, how how he's going to react. But at the same time, it is Jackson Arnold. We have heard amazing things about his development uh, we obviously know he's one of the most talented true freshman quarterbacks in the country. I, I think it's it's really how is he going to hold up behind a somewhat makeshift offensive line, which, you know, 
Chris kind of blends us between this topic and the next topic. But uh, I think the offensive line, it, it should be fine. But how are how are the run fits going to work? Is is are they going to keep Arnold clean the whole game? Is Arnold going to be able to escape some pressure with his legs? I think it's a little bit of a combo of, of those two factors. I think the defense will be fine. They've been rested for the last couple weeks. Um, Venables can chin this one up pretty well, but um, I think my question is with the offensive line and combo of that and Jackson Arnold. All right, Caleb. Um, what move with your if your view on the game and having watched at least uh, at least a, a little bit of Arizona? What's what's your biggest worry? You think walking into the game? In a lot of ways, I would really echo what Matt said. Uh, but I, I, I do want to give a different point of view on that. But to me, like, you know, I would, I would say I do agree there, like on the baseline of there is the question of, we think we know who J- Jackson Arnold is. We're pretty sure we know who Jackson Arnold is. Will he go out there and be that for four quarters? You know, I think if he is, because everything we've heard, and if he plays the way you'd expect with, you know, uh, a month to prepare a healthy receiver unit, uh, the offensive line is a little makeshift, you know, but you, you look at it and you do have your, your starter at left tackle. Everett has played a lot of center, both at App State and in Oklahoma, and he'll be your center. You have Matower at right guard and you've got Sexton at right tackle, and he's played the last three, four games there and played well. So in some ways you really, hey, just it's a new left guard. Uh, how will they hold up? Yeah, but to look at it maybe from a different different angle, I think where I would I my immediate would go is the Oklahoma defense and the secondary in particular. Uh, TCU absolutely shredded Oklahoma, you know. And I know there is there are a lot of injuries and different issues. You know, I think Stutzman was and it made was back, but dinged up. It just it was odd. Uh, you know, we saw some things in that game. Uh, and late in the year defensively that we didn't see in the front half of the year. And that was guys not trusting the guy next to him, trying to do another guy's job and not just doing their job. Uh, And it just kind of fell apart from there. Defensive line struggled a little bit to get maybe consistent pressure. Although TCU does, like Oklahoma, so much RPO, so much quick game. Uh, RPO should be outlawed. Uh, It's just not football. But that's neither here nor there. I – I just worry about when you look at some of what Fafita has done through the air. He's had some games where he's thrown for 420, 440 yards. One of the receivers is a big 6'4", 200-pound, 190-pound former five-star uh, recruit that you know is playing. Uh, maybe not like a five-star, right? Like I've talked about that, like too many five-stars given to wide receivers every year. But he's played – at an all-conference-esque level. So, yeah, I think some concern there is you do not want this thing being a shootout. Like, I just don't think you do. Uh, you know, I mean, from Oklahoma fans' perspective, you want to, you know, you want to break their back and then jump on them the rest of the game. You don't want to get this into, a, you know, a tit-for-tat. So maybe the, the secondary. And how, how does that hold up? you got Peyton Bowen coming back. Uh, you, hopefully – uh, Gentry is as good as can be and holds up completely throughout this game. And you don't see any, any lingering shoulder or stinger issues. Uh, you know, I think if that happens, you know, maybe the secondary can have a really good outing. And real quick, you mentioned that 
QB wide receiver connection, I believe those two grew up together as well. So it's not just this year, you know, they, they have some history, uh, middle school, high school with that connection. Uh, McMillan is his name, correct? That's right. Yeah. McMillan. I mean, everybody thought he was going to go, it was a pretty big coup when Arizona landed him. I think everybody thought, Oh, he'll go to USC and, you know, and go to the Mecca as some call it. Uh, and that didn't, that didn't, uh, didn't occur. So he's, he's been really good for him. And, uh, they got the cowling kid that I know Oklahoma looked at from a transfer perspective when he left UTEP has played well, you know, uh, and Jed fish, I mean, guys, guys got time in the NFL. He's a really good coach. Uh, I think that's probably the most interesting thing, right. To me is how does, uh, how does Jed fish's offense with a month to game plan against Brent, how does that look with the freshman quarterback against Oklahoma? I think we saw last year. I I don't know what your guys' perspective is on this. I thought at least for two and a half quarters, you know, uh, two solid quarters, but maybe two and a half against Florida State last year, the Brent's plan was fantastic and really confused Jordan Travis in Florida State, and they struggled. And in a lot of ways, I thought it was really Travis just deciding, okay, I've got to start creating with my feet and I've got to start running is what really started to open up the Florida state offense. And I don't know, Matt, I think you talked a little bit about it. I don't know if that's Fafita as a, as a, as a player. And so, you know, if Oklahoma could confuse them, give them different looks, maybe create some turnovers and just get some three and outs. You know, I don't know if Fafita is the type of guy that is going to suddenly turn into a, you know, a hundred yard rusher against, uh, against Oklahoma or anyone else. He has, been credited with 31 carries for two yards on the season with a long of 18. Now you get in college, you get docked for sacks, but that's still a pretty bad average. Not a lot of rushing attempts, not a a long rush at all. So I think it's, you know, uh, he's not immobile. He, He does have some good feet, but he's not really a true running threat. Like some of these other quarterbacks that, we might face. And I think that's kind of a a strength of Brent Venables is scheming up against an offense or a quarterback like this, who's a little bit more of a pocket passer. Yeah. I think one of the, I think to echo what Kayla was saying, I'm not that worried about the O-line just because I think four pieces are basically starters. Um, You know, everyone's like, Oh, oh, he's replacing their tackle. I'm like, well, didn't Sexton start our last two games? Um, so I don't think I think the Sexton for Guyton replacement's a little overblown. I was watching some odd maker guys talk about, you know, all the guys we were losing, like and they lost Key Lawrence in the secondary. I was like, Oh, okay, yeah, all, all right. Um but then like then, then this other guy's like, Yeah, that, that's kind of all overblown. The guys they're missing, you know, obviously, you know, the Caden Green loss is the is the worst loss because it's the one you really weren't able to really prepare for. I think you knew Rain was possibly going to opt out, and you knew Guyton was going to opt out, but it was really the Caden Green, um, who's a true freshman. Um, so it's not like, yeah. So into the so world. the the the, the, Caden, the Caden Green, you know, mid afternoon move out ambush move, which I think is is the question mark. And so I, I think it's a little bit overblown um, from that perspective. Um, to me, I think Fafita getting hot is, and it's kind of like a just a feel, right? That if he gets really hot and he just starts humming the ball around, which he can do, he's not a big kid, 
Uh, he's 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 five. He's like five ten, right? Maybe he's five nine. Is he? I mean, he's not. He's about five ten. Yeah, about five ten. Uh, but he's not super mobile, so he's he's certainly not like a Kyler Murray clone or anything along those lines. He's just you know short quarterback who can sling the ball all over the place. And uh, we've seen those guys before. Um, uh, we've seen those guys, so that's not much of a problem. But I do think Fafita is the is the is sort of the X factor worry in the game. If he just gets really hot and on a hot string, I, I do worry about OU's defense. Um, just because of the secondary, you know, just the big passing plays given up against uh, TCU and uh, and also just some of the the passing game issues we saw in that in that in some of the November in, the, in that November lull a little bit. Um, the UCF game, you know, Javon Baker kind of torching you a little bit, although he kind of did that to everybody this year once they got Plumley back. Um, so I guess that would be the. I'm just. I would worry about Fafita just having one of those. You know, it just you know the old OU lament when we had Lincoln Riley and Grinch and and Mike was why is it why is it every quarterback looks like a Heisman guy against us right it's like why are they all having Heisman performances against us and and it's you know it's just I think for initially we're sort of like well that's it's just bad luck and then it's sort of like you know the the inverse of you know one of one of Caleb's phrases you know maybe if a guy's maybe if every quarterback looks like a Heisman against you maybe that's a problem with your defense right like it's not. Not, not a luck factor. It's like, you know, if you walk into a room and you're, and you're wondering who the sucker is, it's you. Well, if, if you're still wondering after five quarterbacks look like Heisman's against your defense and you still think it's some unluck thing, it, it's, it's your defense, buddy. So I, I do, do concern a little bit about Fafita. Um, if you had to take a, just, a, just a quick, you know, knee-jerk reaction, what do you think is the biggest – matchup difference that perhaps OU can exploit in this game? Boy, that's that's a tough question. You, you know, without having, you know, gone through every single player on Arizona's too deep, you would imagine that there's a little bit of a talent gap between OU's offensive skill position players and some of the defenders on Arizona. Now, Caleb, we talked a little bit pre-show about how Arizona really hit the portal hard. Um, I was kind of reading a little bit about how their their head coach last year, his philosophy was kind of, hey, let's let's redo the offense, let's get it revamped, you know, ready for the following year. This year, he really concentrated on getting the defense, uh, you know, pointed in the right direction. They hit the portal really hard, but. I, you would imagine that guys like Nick Anderson and the speed of a Brennan Thompson match up really well in this in this game, especially with Jackson Arnold at quarterback. I, I would be looking for a lot of deep balls and see if we can exploit that early, get the defense on their heels, get those two safeties moved deep, then kind of let the run game naturally progress out of that so that's that's kind of a game plan that i think uh we could see early on and then just kind of see what happens after that because then you can get a little bit more spacing for for arnold and maybe a little bit of his own read game get Sawchuck going a little bit after that so i'd be looking for some deep balls to to thompson and anderson to you know early in this game to see as a stress test i would call it against their defense Gosh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I gotta sound like a. I want to agree with Matt again on that. I think to me that's the one of the 
one of the things that jumps out, right? Uh, just from a, uh, a concept perspective with, with Jackson Arnold at quarterback is, and I don't think, I never thought it was as much of a, a pure arm talent thing with Dylan Gabriel on his deep ball. I, you know, people, the deep ball is timing as much as just, you know, anything else, right? Uh, and he was always late on his deep balls and under through and, and, and rainbowed a lot of things. And so looking at it, my immediate thought is, okay, with Thompson, Gibson, Anderson, and then all, as well as Farouk, Stoops, that plethora, that plethora of receivers, and Jackson Arnold having, you know, he's shown to be a fantastic deep ball thrower. You watch high school stuff or maybe the best ball all year. But any OU quarterback has thrown is the, the deep ball he had to Nick Anderson in the Tulsa game. You know, his defensive lineman has, has come free and going to, you know, take a shot. And he, you know, just puts it just beautifully on the money. I immediately would think with those guys, that speed on the perimeter, his ability to push the ball vertically, it will, I would think, force Arizona into a lot of too high. They're, they're not going to want to get caught in zero or get caught in a single high look where Oklahoma can start just, you know, shoving the ball down the field on them. When they do that, you know, going to maybe get Jackson, you know, now you, you've got – him as a runner as well, and you've got an additional gap. Now you're removing a defender. Should really open the run game, but you know, give a different look uh, to look at that man. You know, I, I would say Oklahoma's front seven against uh, the Arizona front, uh, and that's saying a lot. And, and let me really qualify that comment with this. In doing so, I'm assuming we see the Oklahoma front seven from the front half of the year. We see the Oklahoma front seven from a healthy Danny Stutzman where the run fits are clean and the run fits are are really good. If they're not, then, you know, Arizona could rush for 200 and, and throw for 400 and it can be a shootout. If, you know, it, just to be similar to what the TCU game was in that regard, uh, you know, with what they've got. But just assuming – that we're going to see that version of Oklahoma with a healthy, with a healthy Danny Stutzman. I think that's again, where, you know, Oklahoma can start to hopefully get that separation early because I do think Oklahoma's front, their ability to stop the run and their ability to really kind of force Arizona into being more one dimensional. And then hopefully, you know, with, uh, with Desan, maybe get him some unique looks. You can start to heat up uh, Fafita and, and try to confuse him and, and, and bring some bring some heat on them with some different uh, blitz packages and looks. And, and one of the big pieces to you know me saying I think it, that might be potentially it is arguably Arizona's best player on this on their entire roster is their left tackle, and he's opted out and he's he's off to the off to the NFL, so he will not take part in the bowl game. And you know looking at snap count numbers, it doesn't appear that it's it's similar to like you talked about, Chris, right? With with Sexton, you know, Guyton went down with you know was it a concussion or just was banged up, you know, whenever that was, right? I know you know Sexton played started against West Virginia on. So the last three or four games uh, of the season. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know that they have 
And that's you probably would expect, right, Matt? Like you talked about, like the difference in just overall depth of talent. Because I think that's where you would probably expect to see some separation is the backup, the third tackle for Oklahoma comes in. And it's a guy like a Jacob Sexton who is, you know, maybe not as good as your starters, but he's right there. As, you know, Arizona, you may expect that when their their tackle goes down and they've got to roll that next backup in, you might see someone uh, like a PJ or a Ford or a Bothroy really have success getting consistent pressure against uh, against that guy. We've brought up Sexton a few times. I mean, he was slated to be the starter in the Florida State Bowl game last year. So obviously they trust him, right? So, I mean, it's it seems like, Chris, what do, what do you think? Like the biggest matchup difference is really the fact that OU has a new quarterback and a new coordinator, right, going into this game. There's a lot of unknowns from an Arizona perspective defensively. What's Jackson Arnold going to look like? Is their game plan going to be any different? Are they going to be pacing a little bit differently, perhaps a little bit slower with a lead? You know, I think there's a lot of those questions like that that could go in OU's favor uh, tomorrow. Yeah, one of the things I was thinking of in terms of matchups was if if Stutz and Kip Lewis are your starters and they can play at like the high level we saw this season, we never quite got to see both those guys playing at the high level, right? We we got to we got glimpses of it, but we never got like a healthy Stutz with Kip finally in the starting lineup playing at a high level. Um, I think if both those guys have good games, then I think the OU defense for the most part was their run defense collapse was a little bit run fit related, right? It was just guys in the wrong, it was guys in the wrong spots. If, if they're in the right place and playing at a high level, the two linebackers, I think, I think OU could shut down Arizona's running game because OU was, that's what OU was doing in the first half of the year, right? They were, they were basically stopping folks running the ball with any real success. So I think if you can make Fafita, who's not a mobile quarterback, um, one-dimensional, you can make Arizona's offense have to rely on the pass, then I think that's the big advantage, the biggest matchup advantage I see for OU. To, to your point, Matt, I think is, is, is the ability for Seth Luttrell and Jackson Arnold just to sort of spring some stuff on Arizona a surprise? Um, you know, Seth's at a press conference like, I'm not changing anything. And I'm like, well, even if you were, you weren't going to say it at a press conference. I mean, like, oh yeah, Arizona. By the way, I've changed that complete game plan. You, sh- you should, you should focus on something different. You wouldn't believe him if he said that. So, should we really believe him? Um, should we really believe him that he's <laughs> that? So, I think you're going to see Jackson do. I mean, to Caleb's point and both your points, the wide receiver, right? The number one reason to have Jackson or Arnold out there is to push the ball accurately downfield, right? Hit guys and hit guys in stride. You know, turn the the 50-yard long field pass completion into the 70-yard touchdown play. You know, don't have to rely on the the last 20 yards where anything could happen, right? Um, Hit the play and and go go all the way to the end zone. I mean, I am fascinated to see what Brendan Thompson could maybe do now that he's he's healthy, he's had a couple of weeks of practice, um, and he's got a quarterback who, in theory, could overthrow him if he needed to, but, you know, will – I mean, Thompson won't have to just sprint and then stop. He, he, he can, you know, go down to fourth gear maybe while, while he's waiting for the ball to, to, to fall, fall down for him. So I, I do think that's the one. 
I mean, McMillan is a very good wide receiver. Oh, you've seen good wide receivers all, all you know, has seen various good wide receivers all, all year long, right? I mean, they've seen good wide receivers. As long as they've got Gentry and Woody out there, then they've got two guys who can, ha- who can handle McMillan to a certain degree. Um, and they can rotate Bowen and, and Bowman uh, over to help as well. So um, I think OU's attack, the ability to, if they're going to stick with the with the wide splits, right, they're not going to change that formation and scheme. You have to let, you have to let Jackson kind of, kind of cu- let him cut loose, right? You need to see if what he can do with that. And, and, I, and I do think, you know, the, and, the way Anderson Gibson and the flashes from Thompson at the end of the year, knowing that teams are also going to, also that, you know, J.A., if he's working in the middle of the field, he's also going to make um, Stoops more effective as well in the slot. Um, so I think the passing the passing attack would, if I was Arizona, that's what would worry me. And then, you know, and then it does open up some opportunities, I think, for some big plays in the running game if uh, the O-line can get some blocks. Okay, so... What do you what are you expecting? And you, you, maybe we've hit this a little bit, but if there's something different you want to say, um, what do you expect to be the biggest the biggest difference in OU in the bowl game from the OU team we saw kind of bomb TCU, but also give up you know gave up some points in the third quarter and, and let things get a little a little closer than they should have been. What do you think is going to be the biggest difference in the the OU squad that we see? I think just overall. On defense, I think they've had about a month to really re- recover. Uh, we've we've put some stats on the board recently where uh, OU essentially played. I think we've talked about it on the podcast too. The OU defense essentially played two whole extra games over that twelve game season, uh, snap count wise. So, um, you know, by the end of the season, I think we were a little bit worn down. You know, Chris, you mentioned the run fits not being as as good uh, towards the end of the season. I think a little bit of that was players are dinged up, players are exhausted. Um, there's not a lot of buy in. I'm sure there was a lot of rest towards the end of the year uh, during game week. Um, I think everybody's going to be a little bit rejuvenated, and we saw last year the defense um, after the long season they get a break, they go into the bowl game. They looked a lot more fresh. Stutzman, that's really when everybody was like, okay, Danny Stutzman is turning into a Venables linebacker. He looks like he's getting it. Well, he had a whole month off to really rest, recover, get some of those nicks uh, healed up. Um, You know, they get three solid weeks of bowl prep leading up to this game. I just think that overall on defense, the eye test – will just be much better because they're going to be a little bit more recovered, a little bit more rested, a little bit more focused. Um, and probably it goes to the offense too. I mean, you get Jackson Arnold, you get a new quarterback. That's going to elevate your game a little bit. But I think the the main difference is going to be on defense. Caleb, what do you think? No, I agree. I, I'm completely. I think that's uh, – I think there's – there's multiple layers, I think, to the value of the time off, like your ability to get healthy. Uh, you know, and I think there's also just a reality of when you're able to, you know, get, I don't want to say healthy, but just get recharged mentally, right? And you can really detach from 
like just being in it, pull back and look and be like, okay, like here's where I was screwing up. Here's what I was doing well, really get refocused. You know, I think that's, you know, uh, you can see just a ton of growth from there. You just have more time to really download and look at all that data you just brought in, right? All those reps, everything that just occurred and really learn because you're not, you know, moving from game on Saturday, you finish, go out Saturday night, be a college kid, you show up Sunday, all right, new game plan. Let's get going. We're going to review this film immediately on to the next game plan. Now you can really pull back, you know, uh, detach from it all again to overuse that word and and really hone hone in. So I'd, I would, I mean, I would expect the defense particularly with one month prepare for one opponent. They're going to have seen every single snap, everything these guys do. I haven't really dug in to see what BV's history with Jed Fish or anybody on this offensive staff looks like, you know, what overlap there is. Do they, are they somewhat familiar? Uh, yes or no. So, you know, does that allow them to pull out some old, some old tendencies and, and game plans and be like, Hey, you know, we're looking at this in, in December of 2023, but I played him in 2020 and I went all the way back to 2010 and, and charted everything. So I, you know, right. You just have uh, more information to look at, but them being singularly focused on this one opponent, I would, I would expect a really big jump defensively. You know, for me, if I, you know, want to look at it again from like another perspective to just to try to add as much, uh, you know, as we can here. I'm interested in seeing potentially like a very a big difference in the pace and the approach of the offense. And I'll put this out there. I can be absolutely completely wrong I, I, in saying this, right? It might be in the complete same approach from what we had seen with Jeff. I'll be surprised though, if that's the case. Now I do think it'll be a lot of the same calls, a lot of the same structure. And I think there's going to be a lot of similarity there, but I would, I'm willing to bet you that the run game looks very different. I, I have this feeling that, uh, and this is just the way it always felt, right? That well, what Oklahoma was doing is they're running Jeff Levy's offense and Jeff Levy's offense was really what art ran and his own touch on it, right? And maybe some of the tweaks that he and Heupel had given it and maybe a couple tweaks that Lane had had tossed in there, right? But it was that offense, his offense, he was going to do, he was running the show, right? Paid $2 million a year, brought on to be the head coach of the offense, and he was being that. In this case, I would expect you see a lot of the run game to be more of Bill's flavor, of Bill being like, this is what they do well. This is what I want to do in the run game. This is how I want the run game to go. He and Seth are extremely close. I mean, obviously they're related, like they're essentially best friends, right? I think he'll lean on them big for the run game stuff. Uh, and then from a pass game perspective and what we see, I would, again, I would expect a lot of the same concepts. Run probably the most interested in seeing is how does this team with Seth Luttrell and Joe John as your two offensive coordinators, how do they approach both tempo and how do they approach situational football? You know, I, I sent and put, I don't know if we put it on the site, but I, I mean, we talked about this a little bit, but that clip of Michigan's defensive coordinator, Jesse Minter, talking about, hey, what are the differences between college and, and the NFL? Because he, he came over from the Ravens, right? And he's like, well, you know, in the NFL, all the offensive coordinators and every offensive coach, they view plays as like the, the greatest commodity in the world. This is, we have 60, 65 plays, that's it. 
And like, that's all we're going to get because how the is structured and we're going to make the best use possible. And we're going to execute these. I mean, to perfection. And he's like, you know, he talked, he's like in the, in college, there's a different approach oftentimes of like, Hey, we're just going to run a ton of shit against the wall. And we're going to run so much stuff through volume here that it's just going to work out. You know, if you look at like from a boxing perspective, it's like, okay, well, it's kind of feels like to me, one of them is like, I'm going to be a volume puncher and I'm just going to move forward and walk you down and throw and throw and throw and throw and throw. And my pace is going to break you. That's fantastic until you meet a counter puncher, you know, who will teach those guys real quick, you know, that timing and timing and and, uh, timing will beat that. Right. And, and precision will, will beat that power. Right. The well-placed shot is going to beat just you throwing stuff like crazy. And the timing of that shot is going to beat the pace of it because he's going to out execute you. And so I'm interested to see if we see a flip there with with Seth uh, at the helm and him having been a head coach. I think there's a lot of benefit in that. And we talked a little bit about this on the podcast where it felt like at times the offense was doing some things for the sake of doing those things for the offense and the overall goal of being like, this is trying to win the game, right? Took a backseat to the ideology of what they did. I, I think, I, I, you know, I don't think, do not assume rather that that will be uh, Seth Luttrell's approach. I, I think, so I think that will uh, breed out seeing better situational football, you know, uh, more, uh, more variety, more preci- more precision calls that are dialed up for that specific moment against that specific scene- scheme to get uh, a very specific result, like you know, uh, third down conversion. And, and so, yeah, that's from an offense perspective. That's what I'm, you know, really looking to see. Yeah, I, I would hope that we're going to see a little less no huddles, so that we're able to maximize what I think is the best unit on the offense, which is the wide receiver group so that we can get more of Gibson, more of Thompson. And I, I, I frankly would like to see some Petaway in the bowl game, um, that we could see more of those players rotation in. Because I think that was the number one thing, I think, that really hurt OU with the no huddle tempo thing. Beyond the fact that OU's defense, Matt, to your point, has played basically two extra games. And obviously, you know, that at the end of the season, that's just, that's just wears you down, right? Just it's. It's just math. But I do think one of the things that did hurt OU was the inability to spread the reps around the wide receivers a little bit more, build your wide receiver depth a little bit. Because when Andrew Anthony went went down, really Gibson and those other guys hadn't really played that much. So it was even even Anderson to a certain degree. So they it was hard for them to – it took a couple of games for them to step up and become the, the playmakers they were. And that hurt OU, I think, into Kansas – an Oklahoma State game. So I, so I, I want to see, you know, I'd like to see, you know, I'd like to see a little, I'd like to see a little of Fanul, uh, give him a little room to run at tight end a little bit more. Let's sub out Stog, depending upon what we're doing. Um, wouldn't mind seeing that also if he's, if he's healthy um, and he can, and he obviously can play because his red shirt's already, you know, registered in the books. Would like to see if, if Cade, Cade McIntyre is, her, is finally healthy. I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, some of the ability to rotate personnel in and out to get to get him in the game. Also at running back, I think it could also help. Also, uh, just keeping everybody everybody fresh. So because because we know that no huddle is kind of neutralized at this point, right? We just 
I was watching the game the other night, and you know, every time the team tried to no huddle, the defense just had an injury. Right? It's 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 so neutralized at this point. The moments when you can really maximize it to your effect, the defense knows that, and they just they're they're just taking they just someone someone's just hurt. So it's it's the, it's become the slow sub. <laughs> The slow sub, or, or someone falls down. Oh, you know, you, you know the bad fall down. So um, I'd like to see, as to Caleb's point, a little more tempo, balance of using tempo, and a little more substitution of our skill position uh, guys to keep guys fresh and who are just, you know, and also change up our our personnel and our looks to give Arizona more to worry about. Right? Just, you know, that's. Some variety, variety of guys to worry about. If Thompson's in the game, they should be worried about him going deep. If they're not, then they haven't been watching the film where he blows past every secondary he's he's had attempt. But it's like you know, instead of getting Thompson on the field like five times in the game, you, you swap out personnel more, and you've got ten more shots. He gets you know fifteen shots downfield. Okay, so you know Arnold misses him the first time, and then he doesn't show up again for another you know. 40 plays, but this time, you know, Arnold misses it one time. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Brandon Thompson's always open deep. You know, let's let's get him back out there and then run it again. So just things like that that I would like to see. So we've talked a lot about Jackson Arnold already. Caleb and I have talked a lot about Jackson on previous podcasts. Uh, it's it's They're certainly not backing off the comments the coaches are. I mean, they are – if they are, if they have any lack of confidence in Justin Arnold, Jackson Arnold, they are certainly not letting it show through the press conference comments from either Venables or you know Joe John Finley or from Seth Luttrell. I mean, I think I think it was Joe John that said, "Yeah, you know, the reason why you're not seeing any panic over losing, you know, Dylan Gabriel is because everybody's just this this confident about what Jackson Arnold's going to be." So, you know, just kind of laying a slight backhanded compliment to Dylan Gabriel, if you think about it. But really, just their overall confidence in him. Um, so let me ask you guys to kind of quantify that a little bit. Matt, what do you think um, Jackson Arnold's – give me a broad stroke on what you're expecting in terms of a stat line from him. Mm, stat line-wise, I'll start with rushing because I think he's going to have a pretty good game. Um We'll call it 80 yards rushing. It's a good start to your career. Maybe maybe he will get – okay, I'll call it 300 passing yards, maybe 305, and about 80 rushing yards, a couple touchdowns. I'm going to predict that he does not have an interception. Wow, I guess a hell of a stat line. You're putting the guy like over 400 total yards of offense. Uh, I – I'm going to go with what's you. He, what's he going to do for an encore, Matt? I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, what's he going to do when he's the full-time starter against Tennessee? Um, I just see everything that we've talked about and how we would set yeah. this game up from a matchup perspective. And I do think they're going to be throwing deep a lot. I think he's going to have a lot of chunk yards there. There's going to be some broken plays where he's going to run for 15, 20 yards. We saw that BYU play that got called back. I think he got 35 rushing yards on that one play. He got called back, but he was – 20 yards downfield in a split second. I mean, I just think it's a whole new dynamic that Arizona hasn't seen uh, at all. So, well, maybe a little bit on tape, but like it's a completely different dynamic. 
We're going to be throwing deep chunk yardage. It's going to add up quick. Yeah, that's it. You bring up an interesting like kind of side point, right? And that is the the schematic advantage that Oklahoma's coaches have, uh, Seth in particular, and Joe John against Arizona, given that, you know, you understand what Jackson does really well. You understand what he is and who he is as a player uh, and what those strengths are. They have a rudimentary idea, right? And so, like, what you're able to do with that uh, is, you know, they probably got to go in and, and just they think they'll probably have a unique game plan or they have to really game plan for what they know. Uh, and they can't spend too much time on what they don't. And that's where, you know, Oklahoma could live. It'll be interesting there. You know, from a stat line perspective, I'll go, I'll go with this. Uh, I find this interesting, you know, so uh, Caleb Williams last start in as a Sooner was in the Alamo bowl in that he was 20 of 27, 242, three touchdowns. And he ran the ball seven times for 35 yards. Uh, I will say, that, that Jackson will do better in both of those. I'm going to say he's going to throw for 275 and he'll rush for uh, north of 50 and he'll have four, uh, four total touchdowns. Uh, don't know, you know, what that's going to look like passing and uh, receiving, but I'll say four touchdowns uh, and, uh, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 350 uh, total yards of offense, somewhere in that, in that, but, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I'm with you. I'm, you know, just looking at it from like, okay, you're trying to build this out. How are you going to do this? You know, you, I've already kind of given it away some of my thoughts. I just think his athletic ability and the spacing of what the offense wants to try to create, you know, sideline to sideline and then vertically, it's really meant for the ace in the hole to be the QB run game. You know, like that's what really is meant for this thing to like take it to another level. You know, if you're able to just, you know, have your safeties super aggressive run fits, because so much of what the the run game is, is that vertical duo ish, you know, uh, you know, run game. And you know, the safeties have, have got to get downhill. Uh, and when you do, if you've got an athletic quarterback that can pull that and quickly is, you know, off tackle. You know, he could I could see a world where he hits that stat line that you're talking, Matt, uh, and maybe north of that in rushing, you know, because him getting 60 yards uh, rushing could be, you know, two just two chunk runs, you know, two pop, two plays that pop or, or one and a half that just pop for him, you know, uh, because of I think. And there's the potential for that to happen again because Arizona's going to this kind of blind. Like they're probably wondering how much is Oklahoma going to use Arnold in the run game. They didn't they use DG a little bit, but you know, really in very unique spots, except for the Texas game where they just said, okay, all all cards on the table, you know. So uh, I'm, you know, to me, I think that you know, in a lot of ways, and Chris and I, you and I joked about this. Like this is Jackson Arnold's a storyline. He goes out there. He has that type of game, like Matt was talking about. Then in Oklahoma wins, and you're talking about 11 and two Oklahoma going into the SEC with Mr. You know Gatorade All American Player of the Year Jackson Arnold coming off that type of bowl. You know you're talking about every talking head would be like, oh, you know Oklahoma could they be the SEC favorite? Will they be competing for the SEC championship? You know, so uh, the hype train would would be big. And inverse to that, if he struggles turns the ball over, it'll be, you know, 
uh, hell has has come to earth and OU football is over. Yeah, the second guessing. We OU shouldn't have let Dylan Gabriel go. I mean, and there's, there's already a lot of quarters in the Oklahoma media that are already kind of, you know, banging that drum kind of repeatedly. So um, I, I think there's a good chance that um, Jackson, if, if the deep throwing game's humming and Arizona State is unable to sort of reorient around it, um, I, I think he could. I think he, he a 300 yard passing day is definitely in the cards. And on the ground, I, you know, there's, you know, you just if you remember back to the spring game, and I know that's a that seems like a world a, a world away. I mean, when he did that one zone read and just went 60 yards for a touchdown, and like, you know, he was touched by he was touched by a defender, but he wasn't anywhere near tackled. It was like a swipe that maybe grazed the the sleeve of his of his blue, blue, don't touch me Jersey. Um, that's the one thing is because if he, if he, to your point, man, you know, he was that one BYU play is like, bam, he's already like 35, 40 yards downfield. If there's any gap on the, if they, if they mistake, if they make a, they blow the zone read Jackson's better at reading it than Dylan. Uh, just from a high school, just from his high school days and all that in terms of, you know, he'd have significant rushing days. It could be it could he it could be a real weapon where you know um, kind of leads into my next question. Um, we'll start with Caleb this time. Caleb, give me your leading rusher and your leading receiver. I mean, leading rusher has got to be Gavin Sawchuck. Uh, I will say, like the pictures coming out of bowl practice, like I just can't get over how good Caleb Hicks looks on the hoof. You like look at that guy's quads <laughs> and his hamstrings and his lower body. Yeah, it's just so powerful. I you know want to see Caleb Picks play, uh, but yeah, I mean absolutely saw Chuck. I think will be will be that guy. And man, you hope you start to see some of the the juice, the burst, that pop. Yeah, you know where he he, he gets the hole and you know he he uh, out quickly outruns any backside defenders and makes some guys look silly from an angle perspective. You know, so from a leading receiver, uh, I'm going to say I'm going to say Nick Anderson. You know, I'm tempted to say uh, Brandon Thompson because I think uh, I don't know if if uh, if Seth is a, an old Al Davis fan, you know, but I always, you know, say what you will about Al. Right. Uh, early days, the whole the, the method of we're going to take two deep shots every quarter. And if we, you know, at the end of the game, we've taken eight. If we can connect on two of those and two more, we've gotten pass interference. Of course, the NFL pass interference rule is different, right? It's a spot foul. Uh, but, you know, their view was we have we flipped the field, changed the game, hit big plays, and, and that's how you win, right, is uh, big plays, vertical passing game. Hopefully, I can see a world where, you know, Brennan Thompson hits two uh, big shots and goes for, you know, buck 40. Uh, but I'll take, I'll take Nick uh, because I think he'll probably play more poor snaps and have a couple more of those deep ball opportunities. We're just agreeing, agreeing too much today, Caleb. I mean, Oh, wow. You, you're going to go with Gavin and, and Anderson too? Yeah. Cause I think, I think Gavin's going to have a good game. I mean, we talked a little bit about Arnold in the rushing game that opens up all sorts of lanes for a guy like Sawchuck who, who you know he can hit a seam and he can be gone. And he's and he and let's be let's be honest. He had a good 
He had a good run at the end of the year, right? He had four games, 100 yards, back-to-back-to-back. Do I have that yeah, wrong? I think, it, it I think it's four, right? Um, yeah. I mean, he was, he, he was showing signs that if he'd played, if he'd been healthy all year long, he would have posted a 1,000-yard season, right? I think that's a fair – that's a that's a reasonable, um, not out, not out, not absurd notion, right? That if he if he played all year long and gotten something around 150, 180 carries, right, that he would have – Probably gotten to gotten to a thousand yards, at least a thousand yards. So I, I mean, I'm going to say Gavin goes for around a hundred. I think OU is going to have a pretty good day on the ground. Honestly, maybe 200 to 220 rushing yards. Big chunk of that is Arnold and Gavin, but I, I would put him just ahead of Arnold, uh, and then Anderson. You know, to Caleb's point, Thompson. Hopefully, he's going to have, you know, call it two deep balls. That might be his only two catches. Anderson could have six, seven catches, uh, maybe one long one, and then a couple good medium chunk plays too. So I'm going to go Anderson. Um, I'm curious how somebody like Gibson and Arnold play together because they probably threw – Arnold probably threw the ball a lot to Gibson in practices over the season. Um, so that's something a little bit underrated coming into this game is – who is Arnold's connection? You know, is it Gibson? Is it Anderson? Is it Thompson? You know, I'm sure early in the season he threw to Thompson a lot in practice as well. So, um, you know, I think that that could be a little underrated factor. A guy like Gibson coming in and stealing, you know, four or five big catches also. But, you know, just to be safe, um, you know, I went safe with, you know, 400 yards of offense for for Jackson Arnold. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, you know, Gavin and Anderson would be my two there. So you're, you're, I mean, Matt, you're getting really close to a 600-yard offensive day for OU and something in the high 40-point range. Yeah, I, I think. Just to, let, just to let you know that you can't, when we come to the score prediction, you can't go 17-14. No, definitely not. With Jackson Arnold, you know, with 400 yards of offense and, and so and saw Chuck um, outrushing him. So yeah, uh, just letting you know you're you're where you're building where you're where you're building from. So I'm going to go in. A, I'm going to I'm going to go the opposite direction. I think that the Arizona looking at what OU has done gets caught with the QB run game, and I think Jackson Arnold is going to be your leading rusher because of a couple of just some big rush some big run plays. The defense. Won't be able to help themselves. They'll overcommit Sawchuck and the OU running backs. And Arnold's just going to drag, gonna yank it, go the other direction, and they're not going to be ready for his speed or his ability to turn um, a play into a bigger play. Um, and I'm, and I'm going to choose Gibson as the wide receiver. I think with the rotation that I think we're going to see, we're going to see more rotation with wide receivers. Um, I think we'll see... More of Gibson. I think we probably see more of Brennan Thompson too. I think it's just gonna. I think we're gonna see a little bit more of those guys, just with more rotations going on. And I think Gibson. You know, if you see that Tulsa, if that TCU touchdown play, you just imagine Jackson Arnold hitting him with a couple of those. Because I think you know you could see Anderson subbing more for Farouk, and you could see doing more of the intermediate work, perhaps um, in terms of that. Uh, so I think I think maybe on the big play side of things, I'm going to go with your leading rusher is Jackson Arnold, and your leading receiver is 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 Gibson. It may not be. I think both 
Stoops and Anderson are probably going to be the the chain the chain moving guys um, on the in the game, but the the big chunk stuff is going to come from come from Gibson in the in the passing game. All right, so this is a this is an easy one for you. So Matt, does OU score a special teams touchdown and or a defensive touchdown? Hmm. I'm going to go no on special teams. I think uh, <laughs> Nunez has been a punching bag all year, so I'm going to just lean towards that experience that we had all year. I just want them to make the field goal attempts <laughs> exactly. they have this game. I mean, like... <laughs> there's there's that, and then defensively, I mean, you know, Fafita didn't really turn the ball over a, a ton. Um, well, I guess he didn't start as many games. He had... Let me just double-check this real quick. He had five picks, and he played, what, eight games, seven games? So, I mean, I think I think Venables is going to have a pretty good game plan for this. So, I think we will get a pick, but we will not get a touchdown. If we do, it'll be a fumble recovery. So, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no to both. You know, look, I expect to be wrong, but I'm going to take yes on the defensive touchdown. <laughs> and here's the reason why. When you watch Peyton Bowen's high school film, I do not know how many times you see him jump balls, right? Like whether it's a seam ball and he's, you know, really playing the safety that's playing like half field and he just reads it and, and breaks on it and catches that thing at full, full sprint and pick six. Same thing. I remember one of their games, I think in the playoffs, they were playing against someone, I forget who it is, but Sounds right like there at the think, start. Right? Yeah, it gets like Southlake, I guess, right? At the start, it's that, you know, Southlake's driving, going to make this a game and throws a throws a ball in the end zone. He picks it off, turns around and takes like 100, 106 yards or something like that for a touchdown. All year, I've expected at some point, hey, we're going to see that guy. And uh, again, I, I'm just going to say like he's healthy now. I would hope he's had all these reps, all these game plans, all that time. And he's been able to detach again a little bit, let that download, let that sink in. I'm going to expect him to show up in the game, slow down a little bit. And for him or Billy Bowman, but I'm going to say Peyton. because I've been waiting for it all year that, that, that Peyton Bowen's going to have a pick six. Okay. Well, but yeah, no, no on the special teams. Uh, I just don't, I, I, Gabby I, I, Freeman, I don't catch want, him. Yeah, catch and, him. Uh, whoever the hell the kicker is, just put it between the two bars. Put it between them. Anything under 40 yards field goal, please bank, right? I mean, or just go for it. it at that point. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, all right. So, I'm, I'm, I think I'll say this if OU scores a special teams touchdown, I'm, I'm not sure statistic, it's statistically possible for them to lose this football game. If they can get seven points positive from a special teams touchdown, I, I, I don't know, you know, although Peyton Bowen is back, he has been blocking punts. So if there is a, if there is a special teams touchdown, I'll say this: it is going to be a Peyton off a Peyton Bowen punt block. Uh, so I'm, I'm with Caleb on that. There, I think there's going to be a defensive touchdown because I think OU is. I think their passing game is going to and their offense is going to. I think OU's defense is going to have a, at the very least a good first half, coming out fresh, throwing some stuff at Fafita. And kind of getting him off balance, and then uh, I think OU, you know, can can basically force the issue, and maybe force Fafita into some into some throwing lanes, and then and we'll get a we'll get a pick six from from one of the one of the killer bees. 
So that's it's kind of a silly nickname for him, but uh, Bowen and Bowen, uh, Bowen and Bowman, the killer bees. So the killer bows, the killer bows, perhaps the killer bows. Can I choose? Can I, you know, you know, uh, something like that. So I think one of the killer bows is going to get a uh, uh, is going to get a pick six. So uh, Caleb, just if you have to choose one player who you think is going to be the the star on defense, uh, who is that going to be? Gosh, I guess if I'm going to go with, you know, Peyton Bowen having a pick six, I got to take Peyton uh, and say he's going to he's going to find something. You know, I, I, I do think also I'll take Peyton and, you know, to go back on that. I thought early in the year, the SMU game is probably prime example one. You know, now, especially that we see how good SMU is, you know, SMU is a, a bona fide top probably honestly a top 20 team. I know they're sitting, I think at 25th, but you know, just goes back to those dipshits that sit in that room. Uh, don't know anything about football. It's still, I mean, I joke, right. Is that not the most American thing in the world of like, rather than, you know, put together a good system and let this be solved on the field. No, let's get some people that know nothing about the game that have like really weird interests in this financially, like they, whether it's their conference or their team or whatever that else may be, let's put them in a room and let's let them decide. Cause we, you know, like the old Mike Leach, like everybody loves a committee. Like that's just the most, I mean, current American thing you could possibly do. I would, uh, I would counter that um, based upon the Chernobyl mini series. I think it might also be the most sort of Soviet Russia thing to do. Like, Hey, let's have a flawed. That says a lot. That's 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 let's <laughs> well, yeah, well exactly. So 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 let's have a flawed let's have a flawed system and load it with um, good party apparatchiks who don't know anything about what's going on, but who are reliable from a political standpoint. And um, let's put them in charge of a, one of the most destructive uh, technological engines man's ever created. So, you yeah. know, but I will say this, I will say this, at least the Soviet system at that point in time, like mid eighties, those people that were on the, on that, that making those decisions, they had more accountability because if you made a mistake, you were probably still going to end up in a shallow grave somewhere in the Siberia with a bullet in the back of your head. Right? Like the current American way is <laughs> like, we got to make sure that those that are making decisions are also completely removed from having any accountability for <laughs> how those decisions uh, go. So, All right. yeah, I'm not a big fan of the committee, obviously. I think it's, uh, it's, it's wild. You just went salt on the field. But you're getting back uh, to Peyton Bone in the SMU game. Can I get you back there? I thought, yes. So I thought Peyton <laughs> in the SMU game, which is a good example, they're a top 20-ish team, right? Again, they're 25th, top 20 team. And when Oklahoma was healthy defensively, and, you know, I know Harrington's now gone. And, and he was, you know, big play in that game, right? Sealed that with, a, with an interception. Uh, but when they were healthy and locked in and, and they were just, everybody was doing their job, a near shutout of a really good SMU football team with their, you know, healthy quarterback and, and, and you know, was they were at full health. And, you know, SMU had spent the entire offseason game planning for that football game. They threw, and they admittedly said this, right? They threw everything they had at that Oklahoma team. And they were, you know, just absolutely impressed with how well Oklahoma played all of those, you know, uh, little nuances and gadgets and tricks. So, I, you know, I'm just, and Peyton had a big, had big moments in that game, whether it was the block punt or, you know, almost had a, a big interception there uh, on, on an out ball, like a third down, you know, so I, I do expect, you know, 
the everything to be tight uh, and people are doing their jobs. And, and when that occurs, guys with the with the football instincts, the guys like, you know, that Danny or even more specifically Bowen and uh, Bowman have, it allows them, you know, when you use the word freelance, you know, but it allows them to, to play uh, and, and play as football players and go make plays. All right, Matt, um, without taking us through a, a socio-political analysis of American, <laughs> uh, American and Soviet relations in the 1980s, which I dragged us into, can you, can you give us um, your, your defensive standout? Who is your defensive standout? See, I'll, I'll also avoid the Denton Geyer yearbook from last year. Um, which it seems like it's the Denton Geyer Bowl coming up here. Um, well, it's Ryan, Denton Ryan versus Geyer, right? Well, you know, we have Peyton Bowen. We're talking about Jackson Arnold getting like 900 yards no, total. That's true. That's true. Um, that's true. Yeah. I'm going to go with Stutzman. I think uh, the time off, he's going to heal up. He's got the – he had a back issue. He had an ankle issue. He had a shoulder issue. I think he's going to be healthier. I think he's going to be a little bit more rejuvenated. He's made the decision to come back for another season. He, he's bought in. I think that's going to do a lot uh, mentally as well going into this game. Uh, I think he's just going to want to go out there and just kick ass. Uh, and Fafita, again, not a huge threat in the run game. I think we're going to be blitzing a lot. Uh, I think even if Kanak's in there a lot, I think he's going to be blitzing a lot too. Um, he could be a, maybe a surprise to much to the chagrin of a lot of people. But I think, I think Stutzman's going to have three or four you know, tackles behind the line of scrimmage, maybe a sack or two. Uh, I think he's just going to be a guy that's just going to be all over the field, especially if Gentry's playing and he's healthy and he's kind of shutting down his side of the field. Um, you know, we're not going to be worried about the passing game as much, and somebody like Stutzman just going to tee off on the line of scrimmage. So I'm going to I'm going to sort of reverse, you know, take the other side of this. I'm presuming that we're going to see Stutz and Kip as our starting linebackers. If they are. I think teamed with Stutz, coached up with Stutz, and and finally ready to maybe explode on the field. I think we're going to have a. I think we're going to see sort of a wow, uh, Kip Lewis performance. I think the two linebackers, uh, I think, are both have very good games. And when when Brent's middle when Brent's when Brent's linebacker duo are playing at a really high level, that's when his defense is is at its is at its toughest. It's he doesn't, you know, if he has an elite D-line, you know, yeah, okay, well, every, most defensive coordinators are good there. But when Brent has elite linebackers playing at a high level, that's where his defense is always kind of just just, just super tough there. So, so maybe a little gamesmanship with that uh, depth chart we yeah, released last I, I week? That, I think that depth chart is, is crap, but, you know, um, all the ors at running back, what are, what are you doing? Please well, don't you, transfer. You, I, you stay, please. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if that's even the case. I just think it's like we just had four games of Gavin Sawchuk being our most productive running back. Why, why is there really an or next to his name? I mean, I don't know. I just, I, you know, uh, one of our one of our other uh, guys said it was a little bit motivational, a little bit, a little bit of a smokescreen. Um, I, 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 I buy, I buy that. I buy, I buy that. I buy that completely. Right. Like I, you know. To me, something I can say about Caleb Hicks, like I want to see Caleb Hicks because at the end of the day, I mean, Tommy Walker is in the portal. You know, we like to me, it's like I just look at that from just that perspective. Like as a team, and I know it's different because you're friends with guys on the team, and that's your boy. 
uh, and things. So you, Hey, you know, you want what's best for him. And, and there's that thought. And that seems to really permeate today's sports world where everybody's like, Oh, it's everything's a business uh, decision. And, and I'm wired to be like, sure. It's a business decision, but my business is my team. And you're either with me or against me. If you're against me, you know, screw you. Uh, so I, you know, like blows me away. Like I would, you know, want to be mean when I say this, uh, but gosh, you hope they don't even play Tawi Walker. It's like, you're in the portal, you're leaving, uh, get Caleb Hicks in there, play guys that are going to be, uh, Oklahoma Sooners, play guys that are, are Oklahoma Sooners. He's in a, in a weird, uh, in a weird limbo, uh, place, you know? So. Yeah. I think it'd be interesting to see how much he plays, how much Hicks plays, uh, if Barnes really gets a lot of snaps, I don't know. That's why I went with Sawchuck as the the leading rusher. But I mean, if if Hicks can be that second guy, I mean that that's really what I want to see is Hicks being that second guy coming in. And like you said, Tawi. I mean, if he doesn't play, there's you know that's fine with me. And to me, he's to me he shouldn't. I'm going to be very you know cold and analytical here for a brief moment. He's in the portal. And really, he he's he's only there if you have some injuries in that game. It should be Sawchuck and then Barnes or Hicks, whoever's read, healthiest and ready to play, and who has the best best practice. Because to me, Walker is not an elite running back. We know what he is. We know what he isn't. There's no point. You know, he wants to be in the portal. And I think Brent's very much like, oh, hey, well, you can be a walk-on depth running back for us, or you can get a scholarship somewhere else. And we're happy. We're happy for you to pursue. Whatever you want to pursue on your on your side, so I, I would say definitely um, we should see. I, I'd like to see some some Hicks and and then hopefully maybe maybe in the last four weeks Barnes has been reprogrammed out of his C tackler seek tackler runover tackler um, uh, programming. Um, so to take this a different way, before we get to the dreaded score. Give me your surprise breakout player. Not somebody obvious, not somebody and and not somebody you were thinking was gonna be a big factor, but just who's your surprise, the number one guy you you're saying after the game, we maybe weren't talking about this guy a little bit, but he's he he played and he's he's someone he's more of a factor in twenty twenty four than I thought he was that I thought he might be going into the game. Man, I, I'd kind of earmarked Brennan Thompson for this, but did, We've given too much Brandon Thompson too, love. Too, we've talked about him a little bit too much. Well, you can choose him. I mean, he's not the – I mean, when you look at our stats, I mean, he is – his season stats are not exactly huge. I mean, he's had five catches for a for a hefty 158 yards, a hefty 31 yards a catch average. So um, – but I, I, I do think – I think that's a fair – that's a – if – Matt, if you want to go there, you know, you're our you're – our, you, you, You'll be joining us for part twos. I will certainly give you the leverage and the uh, the the bandwidth to say if you want to choose Brennan Thompson, choose Brennan Thompson because he's as I said he's the number seven wide receiver on the roster. If he has a big day next tomorrow night, that that's that's a breakout in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I just think this this offense sets up for his skill set so well, and you finally have a quarterback that can hit those at a high clip. I mean. I would, I would not be shocked if he has three catches for 150 yards. I really wouldn't. If he's hit, if you hit him in stride, he's running into a goalpost, right? For sure. 
No, no one's catching him. No one's catching him if he is not having to wait on a football for about three yeah, seconds. Yeah, and if you're an Arizona fan, you're like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> like, <laughs> looking at the stat sheet, like, oh, he only had five catches this year. What's going on? The sky's falling. It's like, no, he's actually just a, you know, world track star <laughs> or has that type uh, of speed. Yeah. Be, yeah. That, that would be, that's a, that's an interest. Yeah. I'll, I'll, we'll certainly give you that because it is a little bit of a, there's a little bit of a projection there. Caleb, do you have somebody slightly more interesting or esoteric to pull off? This is a wild one. Uh, so, you know, how define like surprising, like if Jaden Gibson after the TCU game, right. If he went out and had, uh, a big game. Nobody's, you're not surprised, right? Uh, so we're all surprised surprise. just catching the football, and it's every time it's a difficult contested catch, right? That's that that whole that's that that's through the surprise all year long. You know, one thing that will be interesting, you know, you look back on, uh, I think all those early jump balls, those were all Jackson Arnold. Some of, some of them were already, were some already of them were. I know yeah, the one yeah. he had like, you know, kind of where he jumped over the kid and pulled it uh, yeah. away from him. That was a, so, so the surprising one I'm going to go with is Josh Manuel, Josh Fanuel. So mm, he's played a little bit more and more. He's played a little bit more and more. He's shown willingness. I mean, we've seen it, right? Like it's been, he, where he has popped to me is, you know, hadn't played high school football, hadn't played football rather since high school when he was a freshman or a sophomore, really good basketball player, played college basketball, but he's a big, strong looking kid, athletic. You know, he's now coming up on having been in the OU program for getting close to a year now, right? He joined them last uh, January, uh, sort of playing more and more. I think, you know, your head, co- your head coach, I'm sorry, your position coach is now the co-offensive coordinator. And my assumption would be the reason he started playing more and more, you know, in the back half of the year is because he's just improved as a blocker. You know, we've seen that in the games, like that's where he shined, right. Uh, is, is there. And so I'm going to say like, yeah, uh, I'm going to guess two or three times in this game, maybe more, we're going to see uh, them pop up a little in an RPO game. And rather than it being Drake, that they're popping up from the slot and, and hitting it too, we're going to see the return of some of the stuff we saw with uh, Weight Room Willie and Braden Willis. And, and we're going to see him in that role a bit. You know, don't know what that's going to look like. Maybe four or five catches for 75 yards, uh, maybe a touchdown, you know, We'll see what that looks like, but that would be my any any of that would be if he goes for seventy five yards. That's like what fifty percent of what all tight ends have done on the year. I, I think I, I hate to say this, Josh. We we watched you. We've been your fans. Your physical play, but Caleb, if he has like two catches for forty yards, that's a breakout performance. I mean, uh, I mean he, he, he doesn't have him, he, he doesn't have a reception. And the tight end room. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have a reception this year. Oh, yeah, man. Here's a question. Like, uh, McIntyre has the one, like, one catch. Was it for 19 or for 29 yards? You know, hit that yeah. one. Yeah, I think it was he game one. Hand, was right? it game catch, one? It yeah, like a catch and I think run, it was. Right? Yeah, catch and run, you know, a quick one. Uh, and he's obviously, I would think he's tied in two in terms of, like, receiving yards for the year with that one. No, Blake Smith. Has Blake Smith actually does he have any yards receiving in a catch? He has two catches. So let's just let's this is how sad it is. All right. If Josh Fanuel has a breakout game of two catches for 31 yards, 
he is the second leading tight end production on the roster. So if he hits four or five for like 75 or 80 yards, you're talking about retire. Like, you just call it a career. Give call him it a Matthew career. Award. Like yeah, I mean, Matthew yeah. Saying. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, yeah, it would be to your, your performance. But I do, it, it's an interesting point that if you, if you, especially if you huddle, right? So you can swap out Stog and Fenil a little more, right? And you yeah. don't have Stog out there flexed out, not doing what he shouldn't be doing or whatever. Um, it is an interesting, an interesting, an interesting sidelight there. So I'm going to go with, I said this on, on my, my X space with Barry earlier today. So I got, I probably should stick with this. I think R. Mason Thomas is going to flash in this game. I think he was starting to get things going in the TCU game. He was close to a couple of sacks in that game. He should be over the double ankle sprain roll thing that kind of derailed this year for him. He should be healthy. Uh, and I think a little juice in the pass rush to get to Fafita. Hopefully we're putting Fafita in third and long quite a bit. Was shutting down their running game. Making things a little more difficult. So I think R. Mason Thomas has the, oh, wow, that's the guy we thought we were going to see all year long kind of breakout. So that's the name I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball. It's almost like he struggled with like a, was it a, almost like a turf toe injury kind of in the midfoot section, right? And that's that's not something you can just put in a boot and and recover from or I, I, I don't that that was just a weird situation uh that whole season for RMT. Yeah, PJ PJ had a turf toe. Yeah, he had a turf toe. Yeah, that's we, right. He had a turf toe that really I think hurt RMT his thumb. He got stepped on, right? And it was yeah, like a yes. high ankle. Yeah. So double double high double high ankle. Double high ankle. Let me throw this in there. I feel pretty decent about the Josh Fanuel. You know, when I say decent, I mean maybe like a 9% chance this occurs, right? So not great odds. But the reason I say that, 2022 North Texas football team, their number two and number three leading receivers are both tight ends. Those two tight ends, Gums and Roberts, combined for 62 balls for 852 yards for North Texas in 2022. So, and I know obviously Seth was not the offensive coordinator of that, but it was his, you know, it was his team. He was the head coach. So I think it does appear that he likes to tight end a little bit more. So that is sneaky there. I think Fanuel, I do bet, I do think Fanuel will have his first catch of the year in this game. So, so we're so we're, we're projecting ahead, ahead. Davin Mitchell, thousand yard t- tight, thousand yard season this fall at tight end, right? Ooh, we're we're, we're already we're already moving to a, to that breakout, um, to that shock surprise uh, prediction. All right, so we've let you guys talk around about it and through it. So we're getting down to score time. So Matt, you get to go first, or I can go if you guys need a little more time. I can go first. I already made a prediction. On the on my Twitter space, I probably should stick to it. I'm going to go with 34-31 OU. Although I am worried about the number of points based upon how how I think the OU defense could play uh, tomorrow night, and that OU might slow things down a little bit, get a lead, and be a little more deliberate with the football. So I'm a little worried that point total is a little out of hand. So I'm going 34-31. 42-24. Oh, you go big. Yeah, I, I really think that, you know, this is some hopium, I'm, I'm sure. But 
I think Jackson Arnold really is going to have that that type of game, and I think the defense is going to play that much better. You know, I think it's it's as simple as that, really. You know, he'll catch he'll do some things that'll catch Arizona off guard, and Venables defensively will do some things that catches Arizona off guard as well. And I think it's just going to be a game that that OU really controls the ball and controls the clock and um, has some explosive plays. They put up some points, you know. Uh, yeah, 40, 42 to forty-two to twenty-four. Okay, Caleb. I actually like your score better than mine. I don't, you know. So Kyle, which uh, he was on here, he he had some some good stuff this morning talking about score, and he I think he actually picked Arizona, uh, but I took the inverse there. Just and I'm with you, Matt. I think that Brent, given a month, all things considered, and I've not really dug into like the individual matchups, you know, player for player. I think that's to me, it's, I think that's what you really need to do oftentimes to get a good gauge because at the end of the, end of the day, we can look at, you know, all the analytic numbers and things, but you can get a lot better idea if you just pop on the tape and you watch, you know, hey, this interior defensive tackle and what his game, what it's built around, and what he does well, and look at how he matches up against the guards for the opposing team in the center and, and so on and so forth, you know, because you can find some, some things in there, I think that are interesting and, you know, the differences in approaches of schemes makes college football unique. Uh, so I haven't really done that, but I'm with Matt there. I'm going to, I'm going to say, I think the Oklahoma defense with Dejon Terry and Lacey and full defensive lines, healthy, and Lulu, they're going to find a way they're going to get, uh, they're going to get those stops. They're going to get some turnovers and they're going to win 35 to 27. And just real quick, you mentioned Somehow, some way. <laughs> you mentioned some of those like matchups, right? And we were pre-show, we were just kind of going through some of these player stats. And it seems like Arizona likes to blitz their linebackers a lot. They generate a lot of uh, you know, sacks and pressure production from their linebacker crew. Well, you bring in a guy like Arnold, who is not only a talented runner, but he's a bigger dude. He seems to have a really good pocket awareness. I think that's just something that plays right into OU's favor. They get some over-aggressive linebackers. We throw some of those quick RPOs or just have Arnold just make the play. I think you're going to neutralize that. Um, you know, their leading tackler, uh, Jacob Manu, he's only 5'11", 225. He blitzes a lot. You just – you know, a guy like Jackson Arnold can probably, you know, hold up against a guy like that. He's He comes in in a blitz. You just pop it right over him or pop it right around him. I think that's – it just sets up really well, you know, for OU to be successful consistently through this game, which is why I got to the score I got to. Okay. Well, that's – those are three interesting scores. Um, obviously, Vegas has Arizona ahead, I think. I think a little bit of OU's personnel losses have been a little bit overblown um, to a certain degree, and that sort of drives a little bit of this. When I was watching a couple, like I said, I watched a couple of videos of some odds maker guys, and they were blowing up. You know, Tyler Guyton's not in the game. Well, yeah, we kind of known Tyler Guyton's career ended like you know three weeks before the season ended. Um, so it's, it's interesting. Key Lawrence. It's interesting. <laughs> Key Lawrence. Well, you know, Key's a good guy. Good player, good teammate, but he's he's not as you know. If Peyton Bowen and 
and uh, Robert Spears Jennings are ready to go. He's he's our you know he's like our fourth or fifth team you know safety. So uh, from that perspective, uh, it would be nice if uh, Arizona would change their offense, allow us to see more of Desan McCullough tonight, uh, tomorrow night. I would like that, but I don't think they are. So um, we'll see. Maybe if in the last three weeks, if a, if Brent's gotten figured out a way to get situationally to maybe get him on the field a little bit more. Um, it's a sort of a final thought of uh, surprise players there, maybe. But uh, those scores are interesting. Uh, thanks, everyone, for uh, listening to uh, our Arizona Bowl Preview Part 2 podcast. We uh, may have a reverse order of publication, so you may see Part 2 go out before Part 1, just so we're trying to get out stuff for the for the bowl game. Uh, we still have a part one coming where Caleb and I will review recruiting and portal news. What's been going on there. Uh, Matt and Matt, uh, thanks for joining us uh, today to go over this. Appreciate that. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. We hope everyone had a happy holidays and uh, we hope everyone will be able to listen to a, listen to our preseason, sorry, our pregame podcast and realize how, Nostradamus like we are in our predictions of a of an OU win and be able to take an OU win into their New Year's celebrations. And, and if so, we're not, and don't hey, kill didn't, us. Didn't most of didn't most of us pick a ten win season? We did. We were not I think I may have gone eleven. I think I think I went eleven and one. And I, and I should have been right. Yeah, so you should have been I'm right. Stick, I'm sticking I'm sticking by sticking by that. Um, I'm, I'm sticking by that for all the crap I take from all my other OU fan friends telling me that we, sh- for the last, for about three weeks in November, hearing all of them gripe about we lost to Kansas, we lost to OSU every time I talk to them. So um, I think we were pretty pretty much on target there. So we could dig up that podcast if we needed to. But yeah, I think it's, it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, I think uh, I, I was wrong in the bowl game last year. I, I picked, I think I picked FSU by like 10, 10 points and, we thought OU was going to struggle to be competitive for fourth quarters, and it was anything but that. So yeah, you know um, the the OU's the physicality and the intensity and all those little things that they played with last year in that bowl game. Like to me, that was when we talked about this in the last podcast, right? Like always looking for like oh red flag, good or bad. That was like one of those things you looked at it and you're like, okay, but like you know this team is six and six absolutely not laid down in any way shape or form is playing yeah, with and they could have second and third stringers yeah it could have second third stringers at, at uh, offensive line everywhere and they just ran the ball over a defense full of first round picks and a team that nobody had opted out on and uh yeah no that's you know i i look forward to seeing something similar. I, I remember those, all the FSU fans were, were commenting in, on, on Twitter and social media, like, God, this Oklahoma team is so physical. Why are they so much stronger, more physical than us? You know, hopefully it's a similar occurrence with Arizona. Yeah. And then I think this team has even more to play for with even more talent. Um, the quarterback situation is a, is a little bit of a, you know, it's, it's, it's an unknown. Well, we know we, it's an unknown for all of our hopes about it's Jackson, an exciting unknown. Though, it's, right? it's, 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 an a, it's, it's reason. Unknown. It is reason to watch that game. Some juice as a player, um, right? A teammate. Yeah. Gives, you know, exactly, you know, exactly. So I think, oh, you've got the right, if the, if it was just DG and you had some other opt outs and it was, you know, and Stutz and Bowman were leaving, I think I might and be a little just worried in Arizona. I think I might be worried motivationally where OU kind of really is, but with Jackson be like, yeah, this is my chance. I'm going to, it's time for me to go out, take names, you know, kick ass, 
kick ass and chew bubble gum and, and I'm all and I'm all out of bubble gum. Such so, a good movie. <laughs> so they um, live. That's right. So is that what it is? Yeah. It is, that is, that is uh Rowdy Roddy Piper and they live. So um I love it. <laughs> uh, so um so thanks everyone. Uh, thanks Matt for joining us. Um, and uh, we will be back with uh, with our, we'll try and do a post game. We'll try and do a post game post game uh, wrap up of this uh, post this time post season post season wrap up sometime mid next week uh, after New Year's. Maybe a little CFP. Talk a little CFP uh, smack and, and championship games back as well. So I think we'll be back for a, with us with a two parter again for you next week. So thanks everyone. And uh, we're about to go record part one in reverse order. So it's now, it's it's back. Caleb and I are back stuck in the, the mess that is the portal. Bye, guys.